Valverde. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Fire. This is the Pyro Podcast, show number 288. And uh, not as per usual, uh, D-Rex is at the Cubs game. Well, maybe that seems to be more per usual these days. Uh, so uh, over the interwebs, I am Houdini. And across those interwebs, we do have Stag Party. And together we are Pyromaniac. And we are jazzed to be here for you in week seven. And we're calling this show Nothing Else Rhymes With Seven Except Heaven in week seven. So it's good to be back here on a, uh, a, a nice to not have to deal with traffic. And I still maintain my parking spot near the uh, Cubs stadium here. So while the game's going on, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. How you doing, Stack Party? I'm good. We're in week seven now. It's going by quick. Uh, you're hitting the home stretch where you really know if you're a contender, a pretender, or you need to make some moves to get into a, another sort of realm here. Right now is prime trade season. So start getting those offers out. Start getting those feelers out. Start talking to people in your leagues, figuring out what they need. Trade from a position of your strength to a position of your weakness. Try and allocate some points and maybe buy off some bye weeks if you can. Yeah, and I think this is also one of those times where you need to separate uh, uh, fiction from fact and uh you know, sometimes if a guy that you just had this belief in, if he hasn't done it for you in seven weeks, it might be time to pull the plug. So, you know, before we get going here, just want to remind everyone, uh, if you can want to follow along with us, uh, we are going off of the uh, schedule on NFL.com. Uh, you just go to schedules in week seven. And uh, also for this week, we do have two teams that are on by this week. We have the Lions and Texans that are on by. And we get a nice uh, uh, division matchup on a Thursday night as we get the Chiefs heading to uh, to the Raiders. So we'll, as, uh, as per usual, we'll start with the visiting team. So let's get in with the Chiefs. So the Kansas City Chiefs are coming off their first loss of the season, uh, coming off their lowest scoring game of the season. And interestingly enough, Alex Smith was still a top 12 quarterback. Uh, Tyreek Hill was quiet. Uh, Travis Kelsey was quiet against Pittsburgh. Kareem Hunt became the first player to start his career six straight games with 100 yards from scrimmage. So while he didn't get it done as a runner, he got it done as a receiver. And he has the most yards on deep passes by a running back so far this season. So no matter what, you're pretty much slotting in Kareem Hunt. Travis Kelsey, although he's had a couple of dud games here, you got to remember he was coming off a concussion, uh, so that should have been a little bit expected. And now he's going to be a week healthier, or at least half a week, with a Thursday night slate. And Tyree Hill had a concussion scare of his own, but it looks like they're saying he just had a neck injury um, and will be, you know, he was a full participant today, so he looks like he's going to be active uh, on Thursday night, so they should have their full complement of weapons going up against the Raiders. You know, it's a pretty good matchup for them in the passing game, in the run game. They should be able to get whatever they want going, going. Uh, and usually, the Chiefs seem to show up in these primetime spotlight games when they're on the island. They seem to play well uh, so far this season. The Chiefs' offense has scored 42, 27, 24, 29, 42, and 13 points. 
Uh, they're giving you that consistent sort of production you're looking for, and they're doing it across the board, and it's a fairly concentrated offense, so you know where the points are going to come from. They're going to come from Tyreek and from Travis Kelsey and Steam Hunt and Alex Smith, and the rest of the guys are really off the fantasy radar. The guy closest to the radar at this point is probably Albert Wilson, but even then, that that's a little bit of a hope and a prayer. Yeah, well, you know, the, the other thing too, though, you got to look at the, going up against this Raiders defense. Uh, when I look at these wide receivers, you know, Tyreek Hill, uh, he, he had those couple early uh, splash games, but then you're getting a, some of that inconsistency that you kind of had to expect with, you know, how he's going to be used in the offense. Are they going to be able to use him like that on a weekly basis? And we're starting to see uh, that become a little more difficult. But uh, the other thing that when you got to think about with this Raiders team, look at what they've done uh, as a defense. They've given up 16, 20, 27, 16, 30, and 17. So, and when you look at what they've done from a passing uh, perspective, they've only allowed one uh, 300-yard passer. Um, So, and that was against Washington. So other than that, they've had two games where they've held uh, was the Jets and the Broncos uh, under 155 yards passing. So, you know, I, I think to me this one really steps seems like it's going to be a Kareem Hunt show, kind of like you see almost all the time. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. And you know, segueing back to Tyreek Hill, one thing you know we looked forward to was potentially his involvement in the run game. And so far, he has just seven rushing attempts uh, for just 15 yards. And that was something he was explosive at, uh, having more yards per rush last season than yards per catch. So is that something they're going to work on, getting him a little bit more involved? Or are they going to continue to use DeAnthony Thomas in that role in fear of getting Tyreek Hill a little bit banged up? And I think that's something, you know, he seems to come up limp once a game. So I protect between the tackles and some of those extra big hits. So now he is just more of a true wide receiver, which, you know, sounds great for fantasy numbers, but he's not getting those built in plays and that can affect his volatility on a weekly basis. Well, yeah, especially when you think that, remember last year, what was it? Three rushing touchdowns and three special teams touchdowns. So uh, the more that you do try to protect him, the more that you're actually uh, hurting him from a fantasy uh, aspect. Yep, that's all I really got on the Chiefs. Let's flip it over to the Raiders who had the, you know, almost triumphant return of Derek Carr. Uh, that offense really seemed to struggle. They're struggling, you know, a lot this season. They have not had a 300-yard passer. They have not had a 100-yard receiver, and they have not had a 100-yard rusher yet this season. So those are things you're looking for when you're looking for those ceiling games that they are just not providing you right now. Uh, But you're looking at, you know, Amari Cooper, Michael Crabtree like you have been, maybe a Jared Cook. And then Marshawn Lynch, if he can find the end zone, but those, you know, end zone trips and red zone trips have been fewer and far between to start the season. Yeah. At least, at least though, for Marshawn Lynch, you know, you can kind of look at it and, you know, he's still not getting the volume of, of carries, which is really where he would be successful. So, you know, he had uh, in week three, six carries for 18 yards and week four, nine carries for 12 yards. Uh, then, uh, two weeks ago, he had 12 for 43 with a touchdown. 
But then last week he gets 13 carries for 63 yards. So I, I think if they would just get him to the 20 to 24 carry mark, then you would actually see the production out of him that you want to see. But they are just been so inconsistent uh, in everything that they're doing in the offense that they're just not able to sustain uh, long drives and, and really get anything done. So it, it, it's really pretty difficult to watch. Yeah, and, and along with that, their offense has sputtered over the last month. They've got 10 points, 10 points, 17 points, 16 points last week against the Chargers. And these are coming up against some very stingy defenses in the Redskins, Broncos, Ravens, and Chargers. And now they get a pretty stingy defense in the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, the Chiefs you know, can rush the passer, which is usually a strength of the Oakland Raiders protecting the quarterback. But they can also defend the run and defend other positions. Uh, so they're going to make it tough. And then Marcus Peters is that ball hawking type of player that that can be tough to you know go down the field vertically. Let's see, you know, if Amari Cooper can get back on track. But with him, it's almost a see like he's a desperation flex play at this point. Michael Crabtree, you should probably be locked into your lineups. Uh, he's been, you know, the most consistent player on the team, the most consistent producer in the red zone, and he's had a consistent role each and every week. Jared Cook's been the guy who's been up and down, fluctuating. And the question is, can Marshawn Lynch score a touchdown uh, against this Chiefs defense? The Chiefs are the 12th toughest team in allowing fantasy points to running backs at just 16 Point six a game. They're still, you know, top ten toughest against tight ends. Um, so maybe it's not a Jared Cook game either. Uh, I'm, I really need to see Marshawn try and establish himself. But you know, last week was a you know great matchup for him, and he sort of failed to get it done yet again. Yeah, well, again, because they're just not giving him the, enough touches. So, but as far as the wide receivers go, I, I'm dead on with you there. Amari Cooper, to me right now, is is, bench, is benchable. Um, you know, just not seeing, uh, again, the volume of targets when you look at it to, compared to Crabtree. Crabtree is basically getting about twice as many targets per game. Last week it was 10 to 6. So, you know, I feel comfortable with Crabtree. Uh, everybody else, though, it's it, this offense is just not humming. So, they really need to establish Lynch and give him more of a, of a workload. But if they're not going to do that, then you're going to continue to see this inconsistency. And that's pretty much all I got on this team, unless you got anything else. Uh, the one thing to probably quickly mention is Cordero Patterson. They're using him as that gadget player. They're getting him on some run plays, and they're getting him on some quick-hitting screens. And, and they're really starting to use his sort of versatility – and that's something that's exciting to provide another dimension to this offense. That doesn't really have a, a heavy hitter in terms of big playability. Cooper's shown flashes of it, but Cordero might be a guy who down the line can provide some of those vertical plays and then horizontally also you know, str- stress the defense. So you actually think that he becomes – I just don't think that he can be that downfield threat receiver because that's he's never been good at it. When he makes his big hits, it's on reverses and where he's able to just have the ball already in his hands and not have to catch it. No, I, I agree with you there. I just think that if Cooper continues to struggle, they're going to have to see if he can stretch it vertically. I hear you. Hit up this next game. 
Right. So the next game, we move to the first game of Sunday games and no game in London. So we're going to start out with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers visiting the Buffalo Bills. So let's hit it up with Tampa Bay. What do we know about uh, Jameis Winston and, and his availability for this game? So Jameis Winston has an AC sprain. They're they're saying he's day-to-day, but they sort of expect him to tough it out and play. But also Ryan Fitzpatrick was, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick, gunslinger in relief in in a game that he needed to be. Um, So Jameis, I I expect to be out there, uh, but maybe this is a week where they play it a little bit safer with him, knowing that they don't have a bye at any point during the home stretch of the season. Maybe they throw out a guy like Ryan Fitzpatrick against his former team in a place where he should be a little bit more comfortable. Uh, so maybe maybe that's an option, but I don't. We'll know that one early enough that you can make your lineup decision determinations. But I don't know if I'm really going to change the outlook of the other players on this offense if it's Ryan Fitzpatrick or if it's Jameis Winston. It's sort of the same for me. No, I think that was the big positive uh, takeaway that you had to come out of this game. And I'm a guy that, you know, owns shares in uh, a bunch of the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So especially like when you look at a guy like Evans still got his heavy, you know, target load. Um, but he didn't dominate the targets like he sometimes does when it's Winston. Uh, he ended up with those 95 yards uh, and the touchdown. But the guy that, that really stands out to me is, is Cameron Brait. You know, you have O.J. Howard who's out there, but it's Cameron Brait who is just that consistent player. No matter who the quarterback is, they're looking for him and they're finding him. He was tied for a team-high eight targets, six catches, 76 yards, and a score, and just consistent. And and the other one is Deshaun Jackson. You know what? Maybe he's got a better chance to get uh, something going with uh, Fitzpatrick than he has with Jameis Winston. So that's that's the other big question mark we got there. But yeah, I think Brates locked in is you know the third or fourth most consistent and strongest tight end play of the season. Uh, with, with sort of the volatility of the position, he's a guy who's constantly a red zone factor. And when he's not, he's still going to be involved to the tune of four for forty-eight uh, or you know five for fifty. So I, I like that aspect of a Cameron Brate. Deshaun's Deshaun Jackson's Deshaun Jackson. Is the big play, or is he going to be the hit or miss play? And you know, against the Bills up there in Buffalo, where the wind can sort of swirl, it, it could be tougher for him. So, so maybe this is a game to fade him a little bit. But he's that dart throw flex play, uh, you know, wide receiver three type play with some upside because the big playability. Mike Evans is locked in. Uh, Doug Martin, that's going to be the major question mark. Can he get it done against this tough Buffalo Bills defense? Uh, But even even when we're talking about these quarterbacks, no matter which one it is, I'm not going out there dying to play them against this Buffalo team, especially coming off a bye. No, no, and especially when you look at it. Look, Buffalo allows 10.1 points per game to quarterbacks. That's third best. Uh, they are 10th best at against running backs along 15.5, 11th best against uh, wide receivers at 17.9, fifth best against tight ends, uh, you know, and they're overall the third ranked defense. So the thing where I look at it is Bray's a guy that I think is going to be locked in for my lineups. 
going forward yep. all the way. Of course, you're going to start Mike Evans. To me, this is a fade game for Deshaun Jackson. Uh, I'm looking for a better option if I do uh, for this one. And, uh, and, 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 and at that point in time, Doug Martin, you know, I, I, I worry a little bit more with uh, with Fitzpatrick there. That is, is he going to be able to get going? But uh, I, I, I just think it could be another struggle road performance. Their defense has to keep him in the game to keep him viable as an option, which they weren't able to do against Arizona. So the last three games that Buffalo's played, they've allowed three double-digit fantasy point producers in standard leagues. Joe Mixon with 11.1, Tevin Coleman 14.4, and Jamal Charles with 11.7. But none of these guys this season against them, no running back, has surpassed 80 yards rushing. Uh, you know, Tevin Coleman got it done by doing it, you know, nine for 79 on the ground and four for 65 through the air. We know that Doug Martin hasn't been strong in the passing game this year. He's really struggled when like, he seems like he can't reach his muscle hamster muscles above his helmet to catch a pass. It's been a struggle. Isn't he the Doug or not? The Doug or not also apparently has very short arms. So, (laughs) He can't reach them above his head. Like, that's how I remember the juggernaut, too. So that works for me. Whatever he wants to call himself, the analogy still works. Um, But maybe you're looking for, like, a 60-yard rushing performance and a touchdown if you're playing Doug Martin. And that doesn't give you a ton of excitement, a ton of upside. But one thing to look at is teams who are coming off their bye this season have really, really struggled. We saw last week a number of these teams – you know, just get beat up on like Denver in a primetime spot uh, against a beat up Giants team. So if that's something that's a trend, you know, maybe the Tampa Bay uh, Bucks can jump out to an early lead here. But I, I, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I think it's not going to work in their favor. Let's let's flip it over to Buffalo, right? Um, let's flip it over to Buffalo on offense. Quickly, over the last four games, Tampa Bay has allowed 34, 23, 19, and 38 points. They are getting torched recently. So, But you look at the Bills, and you're like, who the fuck can I start on this team? Because it's none of the wide receivers. But this is is the whole point. Look at what Adrian Peterson did in his first game against that Bucs defense, right? He torched them. So when you're looking at LaShawn McCoy and you're talking about an opportunity to get him going again, this is the opportunity to get LaShawn McCoy going. And you need to because what you actually have going on in the passing game is is anybody's guess. So there's really not anybody else on this team that's even worth a start. But you have to figure in this game, uh, coming off of the bye, Seeing what what Adrian Peterson did, that they are going to be giving LaShawn McCoy twenty five to thirty carries in this game. Yeah, I, I strongly agree with LaShawn McCoy as a play in this game. Maybe Tyron Taylor because of his rushing ability. Other than that, you know, with Charles Clay on the shelf, it looks like everybody else strong fade. Like that's it. Like I don't know where the targets are going to, and even when they're going, guys are seeing somewhere in the range of five or six. And the the best bet for a touchdown was Charles Clay. He's now on the shelf. So now you're looking at maybe Andre Holmes as their best red zone, you know, receiving weapon. No thanks. Run game all day. Absolutely. So I, I think what we're basically telling you is that's the only 
two plays you got in this game. And, and other than that, I think that you should fade the rest of those wide receivers. Um, and uh, I think we're going to close this one out. So before we get to the next game, which will be uh, uh, the Ravens at the Vikings, let's go ahead and keep the lights on and listen to this. So we got the Baltimore Ravens making a visit to the Minnesota Vikings. And the Ravens just coming off of a shocking loss at home uh, to their their first, I believe, ever uh, loss to a rookie quarterback at home uh, last week to the Bears. And so now they're staying in that division. Uh, and they're also going to get a quarterback that was not the starting quarterback uh, to start the season to go against. Uh, but let's talk about the Ravens offense and what we can expect against, you know, a tough defense at home in Minnesota. Um. So the Baltimore Ravens make this quick. Like, I want nothing to do with Mike Wallace. I want nothing to do with Jeremy Macklin if he's back in this game, even though he should play in the slot and have the best sort of cornerback, you know, matchup. Um, I don't want anything to do with Ben Watson and his inconsistent targets and sort of with the play of Joe Flacco this season, who's been downright atrocious. I want nothing to do with this team. So it all comes down to... The running backs, it comes down to Alex Collins, and it comes down to Buck Allen. I I think I like Buck a little bit more in this game because this is a game where they should have to throw. And if that's the case, Allen should be the dump-off option out of the backfield. And, you know, Alex Collins, though, has been the grinder. And if he can suddenly get up into a, you know, 15 to 18 carry range, he'll be in a lot better spot than he's been in this 9 to 12 carry range even though he's breaking off, you know, six, seven yards a chunk every time he runs. Yeah, the one thing I would tell you, though, is you really want to kind of fade them this week because of Minnesota only allowing 11.7 points per game to running backs. But just looking at the long-term thing, when you you talk about, you know, these are guys uh, that were both on waiver wires to start the year, and Collins has been a guy that's still out there for some people. Collins is starting to get more of, of those touches where it's becoming more of almost like a 50-50. And, you know, you, you almost have to expect that because, you know, uh, Allen was never really thought of as that he was going to be that that lead back that was going to be able to take the entire workload. So if they want him to be effective in the passing game, they're going to not try not to give him 15 carries in the run game. So it's also going to kind of go by flow, but Collins has come in and, and run hard and that's earning him those, those touches right now. Yeah. You look at what they've allowed on defense uh, besides basically the Chicago bears picking up 115 yards and, and the Steelers racking up 102. Their other game totals are 60, 26, 97 and 72. How much upside are you going to get from a running attack if they're maybe going to split 120 yards in a game? So that's why I'm taking the guy like Lear to catch some passes. But even then, that's like a flex play. Yeah. And, and the other thing, just to back up, just why you want to stay away from all of these wide receivers, like you were saying earlier, on the season so far, the Ravens have played six games. Joe Flacco, <laughs> Joe Flacco has averaged passing for 167 yards per game, has thrown a total of four touchdowns with eight interceptions. I don't know what else there is to say. How much is he making over the length of his contract per passing yard per game right now? So he's making a a million, basically, per passing yard per game. 
it's a pretty good gig to win a Super Bowl, you know, alongside getting carried by your defense, huh? Yeah, not bad. Not bad. <laughs> we'll flip over to the Vikings. We'll see if their defense can carry uh, a quarterback named Case Keenum or maybe Sam Bradford, probably not this week, or maybe a guy named Teddy Bridgewater who, you know, looks like he's going to start practicing here and, and try and make a you know pretty big comeback from that injury that he had. So, you know, can this defense continue to carry them like they've been? And against the Ravens, you've got to think yes, but what can they do on offense? Should Stephon Diggs get back? Should Adam Thielen continue to play as well as he had? Adam Thielen's got five catches in every goddamn game this season. He's got the most receiving yards in the league without a touchdown, which is something that should regress to the mean. He's got, you know, upside of vertical presence as well as underneath target share. He's got everything you want. And if somebody's mad that he's just not scoring right now, you know, go out and buy the guy because good things could be on the way in terms of scoring. We saw him have, you know, big touchdown games last season. He only ended up with five touchdowns sort of come in bunches. So I've been on a guy like Adam Thielen. Stephon Diggs, I think, you know, with that groin injury, they might, you know, play him a little bit safer and put him on a snap count, which sort of limits his upside this week. And the Ravens are pretty staunch against opposing, you know, wide receivers. But I think that's a lot to do with the, you know, the teams they've been playing, how it's sort of been playing out. Um, but I, I think all the usual plays for the Vikings are are in, and that includes the guy who's been sort of the waiver wire darling over the last week, Jarek McKinnon. What do you think? Yeah. So you know, the one thing too, if Diggs is not able to play, Thielen is just a monster. You know, in that game last week, he had 13 targets. Um, and then, you know, the next highest wide receiver in targets was both Laquan Treadwell and Michael Floyd with three. Uh, the other guy that becomes a huge boost is Kyle Rudolph, uh, who had his nine targets in that game. And look at what the Ravens are doing, or I should say not doing when it comes to uh, tight ends. They're uh, allowing the 11.1 points per game. That's 30th. Uh, in the league. So they have uh, been letting tight ends kind of have their way with them. Um, so that's a nice if trend. Mercedes, if Mercedes Lewis can do it, I, I'd have a bet that Kyle Rudolph can do it too. Absolutely. And then, and then when you're talking about Jarek McKinnon, look, McKinnon is getting as many, as many carries as Latavius Murray. And he is three times as effective when he gets those carries. And, he does what Latavius Murray can't do, which is catch the ball. And he has shown the versatility with, uh, you know, being able to score both ways. The one thing that he needs to do now is just make sure he's secure in the ball. Uh, you know, if you keep fumbling, uh, even though you're, you're the best thing that the team has, you know, it gets old. So that that's my only concern with McKinnon. But I, I love the workload that he's getting, and I don't see it really decreasing. Yeah, and what you like about McKinnon is if you play in PPR leagues, he provides you a pretty decent floor. Uh, in eight of his last 11 games in PPR leagues, he has finished as a wide or a running back two or better, so as a top 24 running back. So, so you're liking that sort of hit rate. He's sort of that guy you can slot in in your RB2 slot and feel pretty fucking good. And the Ravens, we've seen them get beat up by the Bears. And without Brandon Williams, they've been beat up by a lot of different running backs this season. Um, so 
you know, they're allowing the six most fantasy points to the, the opposing running backs. Uh, Le'Veon Bell put up 144 rush yards, Jordan Howard, 167. They've allowed two touchdowns to Bell. Um, they've allowed, they allowed Marshawn Lynch a touchdown. Uh, one area that they're fairly strong at is, you know, a, defending the pass to the running back though. So that's one thing that could maybe limit McKinnon's upside. But no matter who the quarterback is, I think they're going to design a couple plays, try to get them on the outside, and go from there. Um, let's hit up this next game. Let's go to the Jets and Dolphins and Yuck. Yeah, this we can pretty, probably go pretty quickly through this one. Um, so with the Jets, the, the question is, you know, and, and where it becomes just – Again, it's it's a fantasy hell of a team, right? Especially at the running back position, because is Bilal Powell going to be back? And if he is, then what happens that to you know Elijah McGuire has basically basically been the guy getting the same amount of workload as the as the starting running back when it was Forte out or it was Powell out. So, yep. but Forte was the guy that was the complete receiver that McGuire is not. Uh, he had getting eight targets and finishing with eight catches for 59 yards last week. So, you know, I, this is just, it's a horrible situation because if Powell plays, who's to know what's going to happen with, with the three headed monster there. Yeah, I, I agree. If Powell plays it, I, I think it would go back to a, more of a two headed style. Uh, I think it would be Matt Forte and Bilal Powell, but it's not something I bet a lot of money. Um, but other than that, like this is a game of two slow-paced teams that want to play ball control. There's not much upside. Like Austin Safarian Jenkins looks like he should be locked into your lineup. Um, other than that, I mean, Robbie Anderson, I mean, that guy has seen a big target share. He's not converting enough, but the, he's the guy they're looking to when they need to take downfield shots. He's the guy on the deep digs and crossers that they're looking to. So, you know, Robbie Anderson's that, you know, wide receiver five, dart throw, desperation, flex play. I've actually been playing a ton of Robbie Anderson this year. McCown, you know, this is what they've they've already played once this season. He's maybe got 15 points in him. Uh, Last time they played, he threw for 249 yards and a touchdown. You know, scoring 14.7 fantasy points, but this team scored just six points total against them then, albeit that they have improved since that point. Um, you know, McCown right now is pretty much admitted that he likes the short passing game. He likes his completion percentage. He likes staying upright, and they want to get the ball out of his hands quick, but that's making it, you know, for low yards per catch for a lot of these guys like Safarian Jenkins, who's, you know, averaging under 10 yards a catch. Uh, you know, Jeremy Curley, who's pretty much catching 100% of his targets. Um, you know, and Jermaine Curse, who's been very, very effective when thrown to. I, I like how you say that Josh McCown likes to be standing upright. You know, I'm sure most quarterbacks prefer to be upright. Um, and I mean, I bet they do, but he's, he's changed his play this season to get the ball out quicker and get it in the hands of these wide receivers. Hey, and it's benefiting him right now. Josh McCown's having, you know, one of the better stretches of his career. And, 
You know, he's completing 70% of his passes, you know, for, you know, 210, 220 yards a game. You know, the like, interceptions well, are, still, are still a little bit high at six, but, you know, it's pretty good. It's back on that stretch with Chicago under Mark Tressman. Yeah, but the thing that the thing is, they would love to be more leaning on their running attack because, and the other problem is, again, I, I agree with you with Robbie Anderson that he should start to st- see an uptick. You know, he had 12 targets. He led the team in targets last week, uh, only caught the four catches. Uh, but the 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 problem is with all of these players, you're just mired in inconsistency and mediocrity. You know, you don't have a lot of hope that you're going to get uh, out of a Anderson 150-yard game. You don't have a lot of hope that you're going to get a 100-yard game out of Curse. Um, so – the guy again that, that you're talking is Austin Safarian Jenkins. Uh, he's with his target share uh, at the tight end position. He has the best floor out of all of them, and probably the best potential to be that bigger breakout type of a player if he ever starts connecting on some downfield passes. Yeah, the touchdown usage has been there. I mean, he should have had another one that he didn't get credit for with that fumble, but you know. Everything you want to see for Safarian Jenkins has been there over the last two weeks. And even going back to week three against Miami, he, he saw six targets. So I think with the inconsistency of tight end, you're locking him in as a weekly top 10 play. And we spent way too much goddamn time on the Jets, didn't we? Uh, yeah. So let's uh, let's go through the Dolphins. And um, I, don't th- I don't think you need a ton of time here. I mean, look. When it, when it comes down to Jay Ajayi, Jay Ajayi is a start. Um, you know, you, you, you have to like everything that he's doing. They finally are getting him uh, more of the carries. The Jets allow 21.5 fantasy points per game to running backs. That's 28th most. So you have to like Jay, Jay Ajayi. When it comes to the receiving game, you know, it, if Devontae Parker is back, um, then that eliminates what Kenny Stills is to this offense, basically. Uh, Jarvis Landry gets a lot of the targets. He's not getting a ton of yards because Jay Cutler's not throwing for a ton of yards. And Jay Cutler is not throwing that effectively. So when you throw for what? He's thrown for 151 yards. He threw last week. He threw for 92 the week before that, 164 the week before that. And uh, that's all you need to know. Yeah, I mean, with the Jai, you're looking at a team that's allowed in my in with the Jai. You're looking at a team with the Jets who have allowed seven different rushers to score double double digit fantasy points against them through just six games already this season. They they're allowing over a hundred rushing yards per game to opposing running backs. Yeah, fire up a Jai. Landry's a target monster. Julius Thomas is a dud. Jay Cutler. You know, let a comeback in that game against Atlanta. But other than that, he was uninspiring. And he's, his play is uninspiring. Um, but Devontae Parker, if he's back, I agree that he sort of replaces Kenny Stills. They haven't seemed to use both of these guys at the same time very much this season. Cutler just seems to lock on to one. And when he wants to take a shot, he knows it's going to the guy. That's either Parker or Stills. And so far, it's been more Parker. Um, but if Parker's back, I think he's a strong play. 
but the Jets are starting to get range plays from their safety, and it's starting to scare you downfield a little bit. Um, Jamal Adams and Marcus May are making plays back there, so that's a little bit scary. But overall, I think it's a Jai, and you know, I, I'm willing to go Landry and probably fade the rest. Yeah, I think I think that about covers it. So let's go ahead and move to the next game. Uh, this one's a, a little bit more interesting. Uh, you got uh, the Arizona Cardinals at the Lo- the Los Angeles Rams, and the Cardinals seem to have found something with the addition of one Adrian Peterson, who comes over, carries the ball twenty six times for one hundred and thirty four yards and two touchdowns. And what Peterson seemed to do when I was watching that game is they did they did what the Saints just are not set up to do. Let him establish the run, and that opened up the entire passing game for Carson Palmer. And they were able to – look how effective Palmer was. He completed 18 of 22 passes for 283 yards, three touchdowns, and a pick. You know, the offense just seemed to be humming. Larry Fitzgerald was locked in. Um, and you had, you know, you, you had your Jay Browns each can, you know, throwing in a little something, something, uh, not a ton of targets for those guys. It was basically the Peterson and Fitzgerald show. And that's kind of how I see this team being going forward. But if you're a Carson Palmer owner, I think you have to be a lot happier now that you have Adrian Peterson instead of Chris Johnson, uh, you know, at least a guy that you can trust to give, uh, the entire workload to, and, and again, what that also did was it eliminated, um, you know, Andre Ellington from really having any effectiveness. So JJ Zacharyson at late round quarterback on Twitter, uh, basically said this and I couldn't agree more. Arizona just happened to play the perfect team, uh, this week. They played Tampa Bay and their strengths currently and with the depletion on their roster on the defensive side of the ball with all their linebackers out allowed them to sort of get AP going like they're not going to see that every single week it's going to be different like Larry Fitzgerald had a great match at Adrian Peterson had a great matchup once the inactives were released uh it's not going to be like that every single week but you know against the Rams Adrian Peterson should be looking in for another strong game. I mean, the Rams are allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing running backs. They're allowing the second most rushing yards, uh, third most opposing running backs. They've allowed seven rushing touchdowns. They've allowed, you know, 35 receptions already. And they are just giving it up to the running back no matter how you slice it up. Now, the thing is, Andre Ellington. Game script took him out. It wasn't Adrian Peterson. Like, Andre Ellington's still going to be involved when they're trailing, when they're, you know, but a lot of his targets have come when they're down, when they're trying to play catch-up football. And and if AP can get out and establish himself early to where they're not trailing, he's going to be less effective. But if the other team can lead early in a game... Andre Ellington's going to be very, very much involved. So I think he's still in flex play. And we know, you know, the Rams have had a high flying offense 
through the first couple weeks of the season, and they have an opportunistic defense that can take the ball away, and when they do, they can score points. So I'm not thinking Andre Ellington is dead at all. Uh, one of these days, people are going to catch up to when Adrian Peterson is in, you know, under center, they are going to run the ball. They run it 90% of the time. So, you know, they're going to start stacking the box in, in situations like that. But Larry's a strong play. I think uh, Adrian Peterson's, you know, pretty strong this week. And we've really got to see how it shakes out for these ancillary wide receivers who, you know, seem to be taking targets from each other, taking snaps from each other. They're all rotating in and out between John Brown, Jaron Brown, and J.J. Nelson. So that's making it tough. And and they also went a little bit heavier with their formations with Peterson last week. They went with two tight end sets. They went with three or six offensive linemen and extra offensive linemen. So that's something to pay attention to. But I, I think about what we talked about, the plays that were the plays last week for the Cardinals are sort of still the same plays this week. Yeah, I I, I, th- I don't think that they are shying away from it, with, especially with this matchup. And I think what's going to be interesting is that both teams, I think, are going to be having pretty much the, the same type of game plan when it comes into it. Because when you look at what um, – and I think it's going to be a little bit more difficult, though, for the Rams. You know, they want – they're going to want to establish Todd Gurley. Um, you know, the Cardinals' defense has not been good, but – where they at least have been better has been against running backs. You know, they're, they are struggling mightily against quarterbacks and uh, wide receivers, ranked 29th against quarterbacks and 30th against receivers and fantasy points allowed, but 7th against running backs. So is this a game that maybe you're going to get a better game from Jared Goff? Uh, I, I would hope so. I mean, I don't think he could do much worse than he did last week with the 11 of, of 21 for 124 yards. Uh, you know, when you look at this matchup, you would think that it's still going to be, I, I figure Gurley's going to get the heavy workload. They're going to do everything they can to feed him. But maybe you get a chance to get a little bit more production from a, a Cooper Cup this week, you know, uh, if you can get him moving around and get him into the slot against this team. So what, what do you think about that? Yeah, I, I don't know if I love the slot matchup against Matthew as much as I like You know, maybe Robert Woods, the guy who avoids Patrick Peterson the most. So I actually have Robert Woods ranked the highest. Um, I think Sammy Watkins, just because of his ability to go downfield and sort of, you know, how he's known in NFL circles, I think he's going to get a lot of attention from Peterson. But don't you think that – but don't you think at this point in time that – that Peterson may end up just moving to whoever is making a catch because Sammy Watkins, you know, you even look at it last week. I mean, he got one catch for 11 yards. Um, He's not seeing a heavy target share. So, you know, it's, it's almost like they're using him as the ultimate decoy every week. Sure. But who are you more scared of at any point in time? Who can take the top off? and just change a game. Is it Sammy Watkins or is it Robert Woods? Not Robert Woods. Okay. So they're okay giving up, you know, seven for 80 to Robert Woods. They don't get that top taken off defense, defensive play by a Sammy Watkins, then then it's different. But that's my thoughts on it. Um, Yeah. 
I'm still liking, I mean, Patrick Peterson hasn't allowed a hundred yards yet the season combined. He's at 84 yards. Like this guy's just smothering guys. So if I, if I hear it's going to be any of the receivers, I'm immediately going to fade them. But yeah, yeah. Cooper cups, the guy most likely to avoid him for most of the game. So I see where you're going to there, but I also really like the tight ends in this matchup. Uh, you know, Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett making plays, but overall, I'm probably going to fade off Jared Goff a little bit more than the fantasy points allowed suggest. I still think he's a back-end QB2 this week. Um, That's just my thoughts on it. I'm I'm probably going to fade everybody except Gurley, and the only reason I like Gurley is because he's got touchdown upside, uh, you know, major workload, and he's also catching the football. Yeah, look, I mean, Goff has shown some nice flashes from a growth standpoint, but as far as a fantasy standpoint, you know, you, you need to have weapons and use your weapons in the best way possible. And unfortunately, you know, Sammy Watkins has not been a, a, a remember this one, a boon to him. So uh, it's one of those ones that, yeah, I agree with the matchup. I don't think it really matters. So let's go ahead and let's move on to the next matchup. But before we get to that one, let's go ahead and keep the lights on. Listen to this. So for our next game, we have a, another divisional matchup. You got the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, heading to the Indianapolis Colts. And you have a player in Leonard Fournette who uh, I would just have to say is uh, looking quite for real. Yeah, I think if he's healthy enough, you're going to run out with Leonard Fournette. Uh, Besides that, I mean, his workload's big. His red zone opportunities are all going to him when they get down there. Um, They're using him in the pass game enough for him to have a good floor. Everything you want about Leonard Fournette's there. The the thing is, like, outside of the Derrick Henry, what, 72-yard score? Like, they have not allowed a player over 62 yards uh, rushing in a game this season, Indianapolis. They do seem to allow a lot of bunny touchdowns, and their offense sort of does give it up for their defense in bad spots. So that that's the thing you're most concerned about. But, I mean, I, I can't sit for net, even if it is a staunch run, a staunch run defense. Um uh, you know, at the wide receiver position, at the tight end position, I don't feel good about anybody. I feel best about Alan Hearns, but that's like a wide receiver five dart throw again. Um, and, you know, he's most likely to, you know, see a lot of coverage rolling his way with how these other wide receivers have looked. Marquise Lee's looked downright awful. The tight ends are, you know, really not making a consistent impact. So I'm fading everybody in this entire game except for like Leonard Fournette yeah you know I mean Fournette's the guy you can trust because Fournette's gonna get uh the target share or the 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 workload you know uh, all the touches that he's gonna see you know you're guaranteed getting more than 20 touches per game with this guy and you know with his ability that he has shown to be able to break off the big runs uh, that's another thing that makes it really enticing the other thing that you have to look at when you're talking about these wide receivers I mean just look at targets last week okay when you got Alan Hearns getting three targets, you have, um, you know, and, and you have Chris Ivory getting 10 targets. 
Um, so from a PPR standpoint, Marquise Lee is the wide receiver that I would I lean toward. Um, he had 10 targets as well. Um, I just I don't feel comfortable starting any of these guys other than Fournette. I mean, and, and, and in a road game with a divisional matchup with the familiarity, it's just one of those. I, I, I think Fournette's the, the wild card and, and he's the one that I play and I fade him. I fade the rest. Yep, flipping over to the other side, the Colts, uh, their best matchup is probably going uh, through the run game against the Jaguars. The Jaguars have allowed 783 rush yards in six games to just opposing running backs. They're pretty staunch in the pass game to running backs. Uh, But now with a guy like Rob Turbin out, you're looking at more of an even split between Frank Gore and Marlon Mack. So if you're a Marlon Mack owner, you're sort of excited. But You're what happened? More- Stags, I want to know what happened to Marlon Mack. He had the 22-yard run, then he gets stopped for a four-yard loss, and then you know I was watching the game, but I didn't have sound on where I was at. Was he hurt? Is there a reason why he didn't come back and make a carry the rest of the game? Chuck Gano. Like, he's a fuck. It's hard to figure out. What's the common denominator here? It's always Chuck Pagano. Like, Frank Gore's longest carry of the season. This is a Matthew Barry one that was pretty good. Um, Frank Gore's longest carry of the season was 21 yards. On his first carry, Marlon Mack gained 22 yards and then received one more carry for the rest of the game. So, yeah, if you want a guy who's explosive don't play Marlon Mack because when he's getting out there on the edges you know good things can happen but I also think hey they're like hey there was a hole for you to hit here and instead of trying to bounce it outside we can we're gonna need you to take it in between the tackles every time so I think that was a teaching point they were trying to teach ball games it's always not the best approach to take yeah so, you know, and, and in this matchup, though, too, so when I think about the other players, you know, I, I like Jack Doyle. Um, you know, Brissett has, has really found him to be a nice safety blanket for him. 11 targets last week, uh, called in seven of them for 50 yards and a touchdown. You know, not getting the long plays. I mean, his longest catch was went for 11 yards. Um, but the other guy that was interesting, and he, and he showed you a, it was a microcosm of, of what it's always been, for Mr. Dante Moncrief, you know, he had five catches for 67 yards on seven targets, but one of those misses was a perfect strike touchdown that hit him right in the hands uh, behind the yep. receiver and he drops it. Just horrible. Yep. Yep. T.Y. Hilton, you know, saw just four targets, ended up with just one catch. That is a major concern that they're just not feeding him the ball after he's been dominating for weeks and weeks. Um, but the, the thing against Jacksonville is I want to start no one against them. They're allowing the second fewest fantasy points in the league to opposing wide receivers. They've allowed just one passing touchdown to opposing wide receivers this season. I want nothing to do with A.J. Boy and, and Jalen Ramsey. It's an absolute fade spot for me. Maybe T.Y. Hilton, you know, in, in a flex wide receiver three play. But, I mean, you're probably not going to sit him anyways. 
But the real question is, can Andrew Luck get back and healthy for this game? Because this is apparently the week he's been eyeing uh, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's a big division game at home. So if Luck's able to get back out there, there's going to be some rust to shake off. But I'm going to like a guy like Hilton more. But I can't play Moncrief against these guys. No, I, you know, it, it's one of those things where if if, if you're going to play you, – no, you're not going to play Moncrief. It, you're not going to play Brissett. Um, you're – you really – the only only one that you would maybe play would maybe be Frank Gore if you're in a deep league in a, in a flex spot. But um, – and, of course, you, well, you'll play T.Y. Hilton just because of it's T.Y. Hilton and if he gets the, 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 the shares – even though Jacksonville is as good as they are against wide receivers, you're just hoping that he gets that one. Yeah. I, T.Y. is like that desperation flex for me. Like if I don't have to play him, I mean, I'm benching him, but I might end up playing him because, you know, Diggs might be out, but the only receiver over, you know, 60 yards against the, or 70 yards against the Jacksonville Jaguars this season Antonio is Brown. Antonio Brown. He got 157 yards, but it took him 19 targets to do so. Um, but we know how damn good he is, and we know the variety of routes that he can run that give him an upside. Like, uh, Hilton's the tough one. Like, in DFS, definite fade, season-long leagues, um, I, yeah, I could see slotting him into that wide receiver three slot because of that one big play. And let's hope we get some good news on Andrew Luck here. But fuck that. Let's talk about a better game. Let's talk about the Saints at the Packers. It would have been a much better game if Aaron Rodgers was in it. Um, one interesting aspect is Aaron Rodgers is basically worth 10 points in Vegas. So the early line on this game came out. Uh, last week it had the Packers at what plus six, six and a half, and now the Saints are favored by three and a half, and, and it's swinging a, a little bit more of the Saints' favor. So they're a ten point swing just on you know Aaron Rodgers and going on IR, and hopefully we see him again at the end of the season if his team can keep it up. But let's start with the Saints. Let's talk about Mark Ingram establishing the run game. They got Teron Armstead back at tackle. Um, Their line was sort of back complete for the first time this season, and they were mauling dudes. Mark Ingram, you know, he's locked in as a high-end RB2 for the rest of the season. He doesn't have a bye week coming up. Uh, He's got touchdown upside that we finally saw after, you know, for the first four weeks scoreless. He's got receiving sort of floor, and he's getting, you know, 15 touches a game at least now with Adrian Peterson going. Alvin Kamara is still, you know, in flex consideration, and in games where other teams are going to have to score more, yeah, I do think they're going to use Kamara a little bit more, sort of how we talked about Andre Ellington. But without Brett Hundley, or without Aaron Rodgers, and with the guy in Brett Hundley quarterbacking the Green Bay Packers, can they put up points enough to force a lot of Alvin Kamara? I don't think so, but I still think he's in flex play. Yeah. You got anything on that run game? Yeah, the thing is with that running game is that Mark Ingram is the guy that was a total benefactor to Adrian Peterson going. Alvin Kamara basically saw his role stay exactly the same. You know, and even when he was being as effective as he's been, you know, he had he had 
averaged 7.5 yards per carry last week, but only had 10, 10 carries. So Ingram uh, as the total package, it's, it's kind of an enigma and it's weird. You, you sit here and you think, what was Sean Payton thinking when they brought in Adrian Peterson in the first place? When Mark Ingram has shown you over all this time that he's been with you that, look, he can be this this dominating complete back, but for some reason, he Sean Payton, it takes him a while to finally get his trust going with him. Uh, but it seems like it's there now, um, and that's a good thing. So you also had the return of Willie Sneed, uh, but uh, got three targets, one catch for 11 yards. This is the one part of the of their game right now that are they becoming this running team now that they've gotten rid of Adrian Peterson, or is Drew Brees uh, going to go back to throwing you know these monster three hundred games? And in this one, uh, I think it's going to be kind of I don't expect it to be one of those three hundred yard games. You know, this is one of those Drew Brees on the road. Um, there, you you even though you're going against uh, a depleted Packer team without Aaron Rodgers. Uh, maybe that even allows you more to kind of commit to the running game. And, you know, it, look, with the weapons that you have, is Michael Thomas going to have one of these monster games to finally really give Breeze that 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 huge fantasy production? I, you know what? I don't know. And it seems like it's more like Breeze manufacturing things on 42 pass attempts when he's having his good games. Yeah, I, I do think – uh, going to start having, you know, this offense is going to get back on track. They're not going to, they're not going to get up by 21 or 28 points. So early in the game that they're forced to run, they're still going to be a balanced attack, you know, mainly focusing on Drew Brees' arm. Um, so I, there's going to be games where they have to keep up in games as well. So I, I'm liking Drew Brees for the rest of the season with how his schedule sort of lines up. I do think Michael Thomas is going to have a lot better game. Uh, when it's not against Darius Slay, who really held him down last year and this year. Uh, now going up against the Packers corners, we saw three of the Packers corners go down last week alone, and they had two guys inactive for that game already. Like, nothing scares me there. I think Michael Thomas will get back on track. Uh, Ted Ginn you know, was the guy who sort of showed up over Willie Sneed. Willie Sneed still looks really, really hobbled. Uh, and they're going with a lot of two tight end sets when they are running the ball right now, and that's taking Willie Sneed off the field. Um, so Sneed I have some concerns for, but I do think they're going to take him easier, and eventually he's going to be a big impact player like we thought. But I just don't know if it's coming this week against the Packers. So does that mean that Willie Sneed would be one of those players that you would say, look, <clears throat> you can target him as a buy low if you're making a trade and a guy has him to try to get, just try to, just try to get him to uh, get him as a throw in. Right. And, and see yeah. if squeeze something uh, that way, just to get some extra juice. Yeah. I mean, right now really needs a wait and see player. Like I can't confidently throw him into my lineup uh, with how many snaps he's seeing on the games so far. And, you know, th- that might, you know, them liking these sort of Ted Ginn, Billy Lewis, Brandon Coleman sets. Kobe Fleener's dead to me. Um, you know, he's got multiple games here with no sort of target action. 
you know, inconsistent snaps. Uh, so, you know, he's another wait and wait and show me. Um, and I don't really want to pay, play him against the Packers interior defenders. I'd rather try and exploit the exterior, but yeah, he's dead to me for right now. Drew Brees is still a very, very strong play against this Packers secondary. Mark Ingram, uh, Alvin Kamara, Michael Thomas, and probably Ted Ginn right now over Willie Sneed. Let's flip over to the Packers side. How does Aaron Rodgers' injury affect the other players for you uh, this week and going forward? I mean, it has a major effect. I mean, look, Hunley has a lot to learn. Uh, We saw it last week when he throws three interceptions. Uh, You are not going to have that confidence of a guy that's going to be able to stand in there and to be able to um, extend the plays like Rodgers is able to do. Rodgers was getting sacked a lot. Hundley got sacked four times last week. Um, The amount of pressure that he's going to be under, and I know, look, the Saints defense is not the best, but I'm going to tell you what, you're going to have Cameron Jordan breathing down his neck uh, during this game. And and Cameron Jordan is coming off of, like one phenomenal game. What was it like two sacks, a defensive touchdown, a forced fumble, um, you know? So the way that it affects me is that that takes away from Jordy Nelson and having those longer downfield plays. If you're not able to, to get those set up, Uh, it means that you're start running a more game management style of offense. And and you kind of see what happens is it kind of happens to T.Y. Hilton. When you take Andrew Luck out and you take out that aspect of the game, he becomes a mere mortal. And I think that's kind of what we're going to see with Jordy Nelson. You know, not that these guys are are any worse of receivers. It's just that the guy who's throwing the ball to them, you don't have near the confidence of what you have with Rodgers. And you have to expect that 100-yard games are going to be hard to come by for these guys. Yeah, I, I do think the overall 100-yard games are going to be tough to come by. But I do think Brett Hundley is a competent enough quarterback. And with a week of practice, design some of these plays that allow him for easy read and shot plays to guys like Devontae Adams and uh, Jordy Nelson. The guys I'm scared about are you know Randall Cobb and you know Martellus Bennett. Martellus Bennett doesn't look like he has the upside he once did, you know, with Aaron Rodgers under center. Now he looks more like a back end tight end too, who you're hoping for a touchdown out of. And he really hasn't found the end zone so far this season. So he's not a guy I can comfortably start right now. Um, Randall Cobb, you know, we just saw what under 10% of the targets uh, once it was Brett Hundley at quarterback. That's not something I'm feeling great about. So it's really Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams who, you know, are major red zone touchdown producers. Uh, And I'm also liking the two running backs because now I think they're going to need to change their run pass splits uh, and and sort of go with a little more balanced attack. You know, through six games this season, the Green Bay Packers uh, were throwing, you know, 65.3% of the time which is right up there with the league leaders, right up there with Arizona and right up there with um, Detroit Lions, San Francisco 49ers, and Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now you're going to go 
with an inexperienced quarterback, I think you're going to have to try and pound the ball a little bit more. So I like Aaron Jones a little bit more. I think he's going to be in that 10 to 12 carry range. I like Ty Montgomery, who's going to be in the 8 to 10 to maybe 12 carry range and still get some targets. I like both of these guys, and I think you're going to have to design some of the running back screens and quick hitters and a little bit more design to the offense uh, to get Hundley, you know, comfortable. So I think you're going to run some more zone read plays. I think you're going to run a little bit more spread offense, more spread run offense. And I think Hunley has some fantasy appeal, fantasy appeal of his own because of his ability to run. Okay. Um, Okay. I I sort of like Hunley as a streamer this week. Oh, okay. I don't, I, I, I I couldn't disagree more. Uh, (laughs) As far as I I agree with you on the running back stuff on the Hunley thing, you know, to think, you know, this is why I, I I just have to fade, you know, not not necessarily that, you get, you know, I'm just fading on what the overall rest of the totals are going to be for a Jordy Nelson and Devontae Adams. They can continue to get the, the, the heavy target load like they were with Hundley. But the problem is Hundley is not going to become in and all of a sudden be like Aaron Rodgers and be throwing for three and four touchdowns in a game. He's going to be throwing for three to four interceptions in a game with one touchdown, maybe two. So this is that growth of that young quarterback. So it's one of those things where when you were pretty much locked in for Jordy Nelson to get at least 10 to 12 touchdowns, now you got to figure for the next half of the season, the next eight games, maybe you're going to get three to four touchdowns out of him. So temper expectations is just what I say. I, I mean, Hundley's going to have to prove it, and you know the teams are going to are going to make him have to prove it against them. And and. Look, he gets a team uh, that normally plays in a dome, which is good. But as I said, you just watch. You're probably going to be hearing Cameron Jordan's name a lot. Yeah. Hundley is, you know, Hundley is lit up preseason whenever he's had a chance to play. So, on preseason, this is a guy who's got more preseason reps under his belt uh, he's a guy who runs a four six three forty. He's a big guy at six foot three. He can run the ball. He's you know a better rusher in college than Tyrod Taylor, while also being a more accurate passer. So I, I think that's what gives him fantasy appeal is his ability to run for forty yards in a game, throw for two hundred yards and two touchdowns, and maybe one or two picks because he's a guy who's been pretty good at taking care of the ball in small samples. Well, we'll see. That's what I'll say. All right. Yeah. All right. So let's go. Let's go to the next game. And uh, we have the Carolina Panthers traveling to Chicago to play our Bears. Um, can the Bears are a defense that just seems to, you know, while it's not glamorous, um, you know, the, getting their first interception of the year uh, this, this uh, uh, last week. But they don't allow offenses to really get off. So who can you trust on Carolina on the road in this matchup? Uh, I still trust Kelvin Benjamin, Devin Funches, Cam Newton, Christian McCaffrey. That's about it. You think yeah, that, that's about it. So you think that the, that the Panthers have a chance to score over 30 points against the Bears? No, but I think they I, I think they'll be like 27. 27 to 30 points wouldn't surprise me. The Bears are a bend but don't break defense. But the Bears also haven't played 
uh, wide receivers with the size of a Devin Funches, with the size of a Kelvin Benjamin. And, and the Bears' corners are all on the smaller side at under six foot at 5'11". Um, you know, they, they allowed Aaron Rodgers to torch him. Uh, Matt Ryan threw for over 300 yards. They are a bend but don't break type of bunch, but, you know, I like the upside of, you know, Cam Newton running the ball and just with their style of offense and how they stress defenses by, you know, moving Christian McCaffrey around, that's what scares me. Uh, When you're a bend but don't break defense, you have to be disciplined on every single play of the game or else you get beat. And yeah, a right, defense that's gonna or an offense that's going to give you so many looks that that's when it's tough. Yeah, but okay. So they gave up the three hundred yard uh, passing game to uh, to Ryan. Then um, as a team here, um, the, this is the one. I, okay, I, I don't have I don't have the stats that show me without the sacks. These are the ones including sacks, but they've given up one hundred ninety four, two hundred twelve, one sixty nine, one forty one, and one sixty six. Uh, through the air so maybe adjust that up a little bit on on those because that includes sack numbers but the Bears defense as as Ben don't break they become more not bend that much when you're giving up on uh you know to your you know you take away the Green Bay game which was just an absolute disaster right you know and the Tampa Bay game those are the two disaster games 23-17-20-24 they're just they're right there in that middle. They they keep the, the themselves in games, but they haven't really had that player that's just gone to town on them in one specific area from week to week to week. So it's not like you look at it and you go, oh, you're going up against um, you know uh, uh, the, the the Jaguars this week. You, you know, roll out your running backs. You know, you don't have that. Yeah, um, I'm still going to trust the passing game. Uh, the guys they've faced this season, the Bears, uh, we're talking about holding Joe Flacco to 180 yards, which isn't even a you know accomplishment. Um, Case Keenum threw for 140 yards after coming in cold off the bench. You know, Ben Roethlisberger threw for 235 yards in, in a road game. I'm liking what they should be able to do. Like, I don't know how the bears are going to adjust to playing like a spread attack. Cause it's something they haven't seen. It's different. That that's the part that really scares me. Okay. So, um, and so again, you know, you're going to have uh McCaffrey. He, maybe he has a better chance in this one uh, to get off as a, probably more as a receiver still in this game, I would imagine. Um, so it should be interesting. I mean, they, they, they finally found a way to get him into the end zone. Um, you know, can he – this is the thing. You know, we, we want to see – are the Bears going to do a lot of keying on him or are they just going to kind of play that more of a base defense and let McCaffrey have a chance to make some plays? Yeah, I think they're going to let him have a chance to make some plays. But we've seen the Bears – you know, against these multifunction quicker backs, struggle. They got destroyed by uh, Jarek McKinnon on Monday night. Um, they got beat up by, you know, Alex Collins. Uh, they've been beat up sort of by Tevin Coleman in the past game. Uh, Lev Bell did it, you know, both ways. So when these guys can do different things, that's where the Bears seem to struggle because of the linebacker play. 
you know, they're losing guys there seemingly week after week. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't have any side. Go on. Go ahead. Uh, you could start Jordan Howard. Uh, besides that, everybody else's desperation flexes. Maybe Tariq Cohen or Zach Miller. Maybe even Deion But Deion Sims is sort of on the same level as Zach Miller. Occasionally, he's getting targeted in the red zone. Occasionally, he's getting you know five or six targets a game like Zach Miller. But I, I think you're starting Jordan Howard. And if you own anybody else on the Bears... You're fading them, especially with how they're they're fucking babying Mitchell Trubisky. The amount of attempts just aren't there to sustain a passing game, um, especially for fantasy. And it, it's just the babying's not going to help anybody. No, it's you know this is again one of those things where they're really going to be relying heavily on on the running game. But it remains to be seen, and this is where if you're a Jordan Howard owner, I think you got to get a little bit concerned. Number one, it's a tough matchup against a Carolina defense that has been very good against running backs. But he had 36 carries last week, you know, 37 total touches. That's a lot of workload for for a guy. So uh, in a game that went went into the overtime, so, you know, I almost kind of think that, you know, and Tariq Cohen, he had 14 carries last week. So, you know, you ran the ball 50 times, Um, you know, actually 54 if you include Mitch's runs. So, yeah, the running backs are where you're going to have the potential. I I do agree uh, with the tight ends, but but with both of those tight ends, you're just hoping for a touchdown uh, because Trubisky is not really opening it up. They don't really have any weapons. He didn't complete a pass to a wide receiver until he hit Kendall Wright in the third quarter. So, there's growth. You got to wait for the growth to come. Um, and with that growth means run the ball and stay away from the receivers. Yep. Yep. I'm like, I'm done with the bears fantasy wise outside of Jordan Howard, but even Jordan Howard, like in DFS, I'm not going after I'm allowed a player with more than 67 rushing yards this season. Um, overall, you know, their upside is his upside's kind of capped. But I know he's going to get 20 to 25 touches, and that's the part that locks him into my lineup. Uh, let's flip on to the next game. But before we do, let's send out text messages, and you listen to this. So we uh, have- we go ahead. Go. So we got the Tennessee Titans headed to the Cleveland Browns. So. You know, when you think about it, uh, there's this is not a very exciting, sexy matchup. Um, you know, not like there were a ton of exciting, sexy matchups until you get to the last two games of the week, I think, uh, is where it actually starts getting interesting. But we got to talk about this game. So the Titans obviously should have a, a good opportunity to score some points here against the Browns. Um you know, Marcus Mariota uh, looking at for where it could be a nice position. The Cleveland Browns are allowing 20.2 fantasy points per game to quarterbacks. That's uh, basically second most in the league. And uh, so do you think that Mariota is going to be able to kind of, you know, after he was getting his legs back underneath him, you know, on uh, on Monday night, now he's going to have the short turnaround week. 
can he can he be successful? I mean, he threw for 306 yards, a touchdown and a pick. He didn't he didn't run the ball last week. Uh, so pocket passer Mariota. I mean, he's going to get healthier and healthier. The Browns are giving it up to opposing passers. Uh, Mariota, even in the po- like, okay, so Cleveland's playing this style of defense where they're jumbling players up at the line and playing press coverage, but then their safeties are playing 18 to 20 yards deep. So for a team that likes to attack the intermediate part of the field, like the Titans do uh, with Delaney Walker, with Eric Decker getting on track on Monday night with Rashard Matthews. I love Mariota in this matchup. I think he's a top five quarterback play. Um, I don't have any concerns after not having a setback in this week. Uh, pretty much, you know what you want to do against the Browns? Play whatever the fuck you want on this team because I think it works. Delaney, definitely a strong play going up against the Browns and what they allow to tight ends. Um, every passer except for Jacoby Brissett is thrown from two touchdowns or more. And Jacoby Brissett also rushed for two touchdowns. Uh, yeah, Mariota's strong, strong play. Uh, the running backs, they're definitely involved. Um, but it does seem that they're taking it a little easier on a guy like DeMarco Murray right now, that when they're up in games, it's going to be Derrick Henry. And it does look like Murray's a little bit banged up. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, it, it looked like he got a little dinged up in the game, and they were working him out early on the sideline. He did come back and continue to play. But, you know, when you have that two-headed monster, you know, the other thing becomes this. You know, you have you they have faith in Derrick Henry now. So you can almost – it's a scary thing from a fantasy perspective, but it's probably better at this point in time to be the Derrick Henry owner than it is to be the DeMarco Murray owner uh, because they may go – you know, hot hand, you know, when a guy is just tearing it up, continue to give him the ball. And, you know, the one thing that Murray does have for him over Henry is that he's the better receiver. Um, and they're still using him, you know, effectively as that coming out of the backfield. But I, I think that you definitely can, you definitely can feel comfortable with, 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 with Henry right now as a, as a flex type of a play, um, you know, and again, because of his touchdown potential. The, the other guy that, that finally made his, uh, an emergence to me was Eric Decker, um, you know, getting seven catches and 88 yards, uh, on nine targets. Um, Richard Matthews, four catches on 69 on only four targets, but Matthews continues to just, he does the most with what he's given. Uh, but I think if you're looking from a, from a standpoint of with Mariota having to be more of that in the pocket type of a passer, Decker becomes a really nice option for him. Uh, and this was a nice game to see. Yeah, I agree about Decker. I think he's back in play after his uh, sort of showing on Monday night. I think, you know, Richard Matthews is a strong play. And once Mariota gets his feet back under him, you know, when he's extending plays, that's when Matthews can get down the field vertically and they can hit those big plays like he hit to Taewon Taylor on Monday night. Um, you know, Taylor is a guy who also made an impact and it still sounds like Corey Davis is going to be a couple weeks away. So he's a guy to keep an eye on in deeper leagues. But I, I think all these guys are in play. Uh, I'd probably fade 
you know, uh, I'd probably fade Derrick Henry a little bit um, and in favor of Murray just because it seems like his ability in the passing game gives him that better floor. And right now, uh, the Browns are pretty staunch against opposing running backs. They haven't allowed a single player to rush for over 66 yards against them this season. Um, I don't know how much upside, if these two guys are splitting carries, they're going to have. So maybe it's a week, if you can afford to, to fade them both. Or you got to make a bet on one or the other, in my opinion. Yeah. Well, let's flip it to the other side, and this one should go pretty quick. Um because the Browns just don't really have a whole lot to offer. Um, let's let's go ahead and talk about those running backs because that seems to be where uh, your best potential is. But it, it's it seems like you get just Jekyll and Hyde games out of uh, out of Duke Johnson and Crowell is just slowly crawling back into somewhat respectability. Uh, I think because I think that Tennessee's going to be able to put up some points here pretty quick, uh, I think Duke Johnson's the better play just, you know, out of sheer passing game volume, especially in PPR leagues. Uh, I don't think those touchdowns are going to continue to fall his way like they did over the previous, you know, two or three weeks. Uh, But, yeah, I, I think he's the play because the passing game volume, I don't want anything to do with Crowell right now. Right now he's like 15 for 60 is his upside. Uh, The touchdown work, the red zone work just hasn't been there. They've seemed to want to throw as soon as they got in the red zone. Um, At all times, that's not really working out. Uh, Receivers, you know, Rashard Higgins, Ricardo Lewis, um, Kenny Britt, should he come back? They're all just desperation plays that that I can even put a number on. Uh, their number of targets is fluctuating between them every single week. There's no consistency. I mean, right now, I don't even know who the starting quarterback for this team is, if it's Kevin Hogan or if they're going to go back with Deshaun Kaiser um, because Hogan wasn't great in his chance to play. Um, and that That's tough. I don't want anything to do with anybody on this team. The closest guy I'm starting is Duke Johnson as a flex. Other than that, I want nothing on the Browns. Yeah, I mean that's that's the unfortunate thing. I mean, when you have this um, whole reconstruction of of what's going on with with quarterbacks, um, it makes it a situation that they're not putting up any consistent type of production that you can count on for anything. So it just doesn't it doesn't make sense. I'm fading them all as well. All right, let's go on to the Cowboys. Big news just happened a couple minutes ago. It sounds like Ezekiel Elliott has now had his TRO granted uh, for at least two weeks. Uh, They are going to give, apparently, a judge time to get back from vacation, and then there will be a ruling. Uh, What happens then? You know, it was going to matter, but it looks like Zeke will be out there in week seven against the 49ers. Uh, as long as Zeke is in the lineup and not suspended, play him, uh, especially play him against the 49ers. Um, Dak Prescott has been a quarterback one uh, top 12 option in every single game he has played this week against the 49ers. You also play him. Uh, Des Bryant, you play him. And, you know, Jason Witten, 
you know, maybe he's that guy that's going to get you four for 40. But even then, they've sort of moved on from him in the passing game in favor of Cole Beasley uh, and even some shots to Bryce Butler and Terrence Williams. So I'd probably play Cole Beasley over Jason Witten. But if you're desperate at tight end, I could definitely see that happening uh, against the 49ers, um, you know, who have now moved on from Navarro Bowman but are hopefully going to get their stud back in Ruben Foster. And they're also allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing tight ends this season. Have yet to allow a tight end to score a touchdown against them. Uh, and are averaging just over 35 receiving yards to t- tight ends this season. And only one player has had uh, more than 37 receiving yards against them this season. And that was Vernon Davis. And that was pretty much all on one play. Uh, last week. Got anything to add there, buddy? Yeah, so, you know, when I look at this, and by the way, this is our first of our afternoon games, and we do have four games in the afternoon, so the uh, Red Zone channels can actually have some work to do. Um, No, Ezekiel Elliott being back, I think, is one of those things that – if you were a if you're a Z if you're a, a Dak Prescott owner or a Des Bryant owner, it's one of those things. Does Zeke make you better or worse? And I think for those players, it's it's not necessarily better. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, Des would uh, appreciate having a game with 14 targets uh, as opposed to having the games with eight and nine targets. So, but but in this matchup, it, it should be all systems go. Uh, Dak is just is just phenomenal for you because he's also giving you the ability to gain yards on the ground um, and doesn't turn the ball over very much. So, no, I, I'm green light with you on all these. And, again, I think that Cole Beasley is finally going to start seeing a bigger role in this offense. Um, and, again, you're right, 3.1 points per game allowed to the tight ends. You can fade a Jason Witten this week. Yeah, yeah, Fade Witten, uh, Cole Beasley over Witten, Dez, Ezekiel, uh, Dak, all strong, strong plays. Uh, Let's flip over to the 49ers side. Uh, I I think this offense with C.J. Beathard, uh, who I didn't think would get a call this early in the season, but apparently the 49ers are desperate after losing five straight games by three points or less. So they're looking for a little bit of a spark. They're looking to see what they have in this guy long-term. Maybe because the guy they saw on Sunday night, uh, Kirk Cousins, may become available and may want to join that franchise. Or they might go with the quarterback early. Um, Let's see. I start Carlos Hyde. I start Pierre Garçon. Uh, George Kittle looks like a strong play against the Cowboys, especially if Sean Lee continues to be banged up. Uh, but other than that, you know, this is a pretty, you know, concentrated offense between those guys. And I'm liking Garcon, but I really like the chemistry he had with Hoyer. So it's a question of how he and CJ Beathard can get on. Carlos Hyde, uh, I sat on last week with all this talk about. You know, getting Matt Breida more involved. Uh, it's going to depend on riding the hot hand. Yada, yada, coach speak bullshit. Absolutely the wrong play. Um, but I'm not going to make it again. <laughs> not yeah. against the Cowboys. Yeah. The, the one thing I want to point out, though, too, is if you're looking at it 
uh, George Kittle is is a very intriguing type of a guy to play, um, especially right now in, in these first couple weeks of C.J. Beathard being the starting quarterback. Remember, these two guys played together at Iowa for the last couple years. So you're talking about one player that he at least already has chemistry, kind of knows what he's doing. That's George Kittle. And Kittle ended up with the second most targets in last game uh, behind Pierre Garçon. So, you know, the comfortability, the the familiarity, uh, the easier throw to the tight ends, this could be one of those games where Kittle ends up with uh, double-digit targets. Yeah, I don't have much to disagree on right there. I mean, he's already tight end 16 in scoring. Uh, He is the uh, third rookie in the top 16 in standard scoring. So, yeah, I'm liking what Kittle is doing, just being that safety blanket. And over the last two weeks, he's seen 17 combined targets. So Kittle, strong. Pierre Garçon, strong. Carlos Hyde, strong. That's it for the 49ers. What do you think about C.J. Beathard's uh, sort of season-long fantasy upside going forward? You know what? I, I I don't really know. I mean, he's the one problem with him is that can he stay healthy enough? And, um, you know, he has decent mobility. But the one thing that I'm surprised at from a guy that watched his whole college career, uh, he never really seemed to have that elite arm strength and – the ability to to connect on a good enough percentage of his deep throws. So I wonder where the, you know, are those big plays going to be there? You know, obviously they, they had the touchdown with Eldrick Robinson, but that's my concern for him and, and, and the fragileness because he'd like to make a lot of plays with his legs in college, but he also exposed himself to a lot of hits and didn't really know how to slide and protect himself. And if he doesn't protect himself in this game, uh, or in this league, you're not going to last that long. But I understand why the 49ers, at this point, look, you're losing the games with Hoyer. He's not doing anything uh, revolutionary. You got this kid. You know, you're going to have a high draft pick. Let's see what let's see what we have out of him. If, do we need to go after, go after a quarterback uh, this year in the draft, or can we wait? Or are we going to try to bring in a Kirk Cousins? And, but let's see if he's a viable backup, and what do we got? Might as well. Yep. Uh, let's flip it to the next one. Let's talk Broncos and Chargers. The second afternoon game, we've got another interdivision matchup. Uh, Broncos coming off a big stinker on Sunday night against the Giants, uh, but are still in, in a pretty good spot in their division. Uh, but the Chargers will have a chance to roll back out, uh, get to that three-win plateau that'll sort of put them on the same level as the Broncos. Can they do it? You think the uh, injury to Emmanuel Sanders is you know long term, uh, and if so, what does it do for Demarius Thomas and any other guys in that passing game? Well, that's the thing. So it, it, it's a big. Big boost for for Demarius. Um, you know he he was he got fourteen targets in that game, and, and Sanders had eight before he exited. Uh, but after after Demarius Thomas, who are you going to throw the ball to? And the guy that ends up most likely being the person is going to be Benny Fowler, um, who also then saw eight targets, uh, but only caught three of those for twenty one yards. So you know, can Fowler be the foil? Uh, to Thomas that Sanders was? No, I don't think so. 
Um, so I think what happens is, is that, you know, he'll definitely still see an uptick in the amount of targets that he gets on a weekly basis, but you're going to start to see them kind of supplement it through other players as well. And we started to really see how they're going to start using Devontae Booker more uh, as a receiver. And he was really effective, uh, you know, catching four of six targets for 78 yards. And that was probably the most flashy I've ever seen Booker look since he's been in the NFL. Yeah, I mean, Booker's, you know, showing that third down passing chops, uh, and that's that's great for him. Uh, the question is, is he good for these other running backs? Because now it's a three-headed monster with Jamal Charles, with uh, C.J. Anderson, and that makes it tough for any one guy to establish rapport. They're all doing different things. They're trying to use them in different roles, and, and that really limits all of their upside. It makes C.J. Anderson more of a back-end RB2 than a locked-in back-end RB1. It, it you know sort of takes Jamal Charles out of flex consideration, and it puts you know Devonta Booker up in that desperation sort of zone at running back in PPR leagues. Um, it, it's tough, but you know if Emmanuel Sanders is out long term, I'm liking Demarius Thomas, even though he should see some tough cornerback matchups uh, against the Los Angeles Chargers. Um, overall. You know, Trevor Simeon, uh, I don't really love him in this game. I I, I think the play is through the running backs in this game. But now that they're sort of splitting them all up, it's tough to really lock in on a guy like C.J. Anderson. Yeah, Can you start him with conviction? No, I don't think you can start him with conviction. I think that's where, uh, you know, do you become – and this is the other thing that, that you have to worry about. With Emmanuel Sanders there, now you can also going to, you know, it's better for Demarius. Yes, he's going to get more targets, but they're going to roll a lot more coverage over to him. Uh, Emmanuel Sanders and and Thomas, that that made it a much more difficult decision for defenses. If you really want to cover this up, the other one can beat you. Uh, But if you really cover up Demarius Thomas, who else really scares you out of the receiving game on that Bronco team? And unfortunately, the answer is really nobody. So yes, without that, I don't know. I, I I just I worry that they become more of an easier team to defend. Uh, and again, you're right. If they're using these multiple running backs, you're not getting anybody uh, more than you know ten to twelve carries in the game. You're not going to have a ton of opportunity for big fantasy production. Yeah, and you know, looking at Trevor Simeon and this team without Emmanuel Sanders is going to lack. Uh, a vertical threat. Demarius Thomas really hasn't shown that vertical threat this season. They they're using him on slants and crossers and quick outs and screens. And his route tree is just very different uh, than what it was the beginning of his career when he was either a slant, a go or a stop. Uh, So that, that, that scares you a little bit. Um, You know, Benny Fowler, uh, Jordan Taylor, Cody Latimer, like these guys are all ancillary players and you're going to have to go with probably more two tight end sets with Virgil green and with AJ Derby and Jeff Howerman. Uh, and maybe that allows them to get a little more play action going. And, you know, with those two tight ends, those extra blockers in, maybe they can establish the run game a little bit better. Yeah. That's all I got on the Broncos. All right. Well, let's flip it over to the chargers, uh, chargers who, uh, coming off of a win 
the Chargers will be at their pseudo home, uh, you know, because you can guarantee that there will be a ton of Denver Bronco fans there uh, in their little mini stadium. So Rivers has not been spectacular. The, the best player on this team has been Melvin Gordon. Um, and then as far as the receivers go, we're finally starting to see more consistency out of uh, Hunter Henry. Uh, and Keenan Allen is the other guy that you can trust, but Terrell Williams, where, you know, you really had a lot of faith in, in, in playing him last season, that seems to kind of have gone away. Antonio Gates is just a, a formality at this point in time. Mike Williams, uh, it's good to get him start going. He's the guy that, you know, maybe has the most upside out of all those other guys, uh, along with Travis Benjamin. It's it's just a lot of other guys after Keenan Allen, uh, and who's going to step up? I think if you're looking long for the couple weeks down the road, take a bet on the rookie. You know, if you want if you want to take a guy that they that they picked very high and 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 have belief in, here's a guy that might be able to grow into a bigger role. You know, three weeks from now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Right now, he's playing, what, five snaps in a game, one target. Um, I don't really see him establishing himself this season. There's just so many other guys, and they also learned how to throw to Hunter Henry, which has been very important for their offense. Um, Keenan Allen, you know, he's a target hog right now. They're using Tyrell and Travis Benjamin on the deep shots. Uh they're, they're using a lot of everyone, and they're throwing a lot of passes to Melvin Gordon as well. And, and that's sort of capping all these secondary receivers' upsides because of Melvin Gordon in the past game, because of uh, Hunter Henry in the past game, and Keenan Allen getting 10 or so targets a game. But I just have overall concerns about Denver uh, for this Los Angeles Chargers team. The last three times they've played, they've scored 21, 19, and 21 points. Uh you know, Philip Rivers' fantasy totals over those games, 17.7, 11.1, 12.7, and then even going back a year further, uh, 6.1 and 15.6. So he's more in that streamable range than he is locked in QB1 that he spent most of the time at this season. Um, you know, I like Hunter Henry. I, I have some concerns about Keenan Allen's overall you know, ceiling in this game, but he's the guy with the targets he's seeing. You can't sit him. And Melvin Gordon's ability in the past game and in the red zone makes him another strong play. But all the secondary players in this offense, all the secondary receivers, Antonio Gates, um, fading far off all of Yeah. The, one, the other thing, too, is like when you think about Melvin Gordon – you know, this is not a great matchup. The Broncos are still the best at stopping running backs, 10.6 points per game. And that's even after getting gashed by Orleans Darkwell last week. So, you know, you also got to figure that the Broncos are going to have to come into this one with a chip on their shoulder uh, to not have allow back-to-back 100-yard rushers against them. So this is one of those ones, if I'm a Melvin Gordon owner, it's been amazing the last couple of weeks, but I would temper my expectations uh, for what you're going to get this week. Yep, yep, I agree on tempering the expectations, but that receiving ability gives them a nice floor. So yep. let's move on. To, I mean, we saw it in week one. 
let's move let's move on. Is that the end of the game? Yeah, that's the end of that one. So we got uh the next game we got is the Bengals uh at the Steelers. So another divisional matchup here. Uh the Bengals coming off of their bye week and uh the Steelers coming off of their win against Kansas City. So uh can AJ yeah. Green uh, do it again? He's had some big games against the Steelers in the past. Is this going to be another one? Yeah, I, I think AJ Green. I mean, AJ Green's locked in uh, against the Steelers. Though they're allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, they're allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. So I, I don't want to lock him into any DFS lineups. But it's AJ Green. And the Steelers really haven't seen a receiver of his caliber so far this season. They've seen uh, Corey Coleman as the number one. They've seen Stephon Diggs, who they really shut down, and Adam Thielen. That was a great game. But other than that, like the Bears' top receiver then was maybe Marcus Wheaton, Deontay Thompson, then Mike Wallace, and you know Jeremy Macklin, uh, Marquise Lee, Alan Hearns. And then Tyreek Hill, those are the top receivers they faced this season. They haven't really had anybody with the size-speed ratio and ability to go up and get it over defenders of A.J. Green. So I'm not overly concerned for A.J. Green's prospects, but strong play or strong fades on Brandon LaFell, John Ross, if he ever gets a chance to play, Tyler Boyd, Alex Erickson, fade all the rest of the guys. Uh now, at tight end, maybe they can make a little more impact with Tyler Croft this week, uh, but they're also bringing in tight ends this week to try and you know, get some get some other bodies in there and you know see who else can make an impact. Yeah. The one thing, too, though, when you think about A.J. Green, you know, when you look at what he's done in his career against the Steelers, he averages basically 89 yards a game um, and basically half a touchdown a game. So yep. those are pretty good numbers. So what do we think about the, the potential for, for Joe Mixon here coming out of the, the bye? Is he, can this be a game where he might be able to, to, to break out in any way, shape, or form, whether that be as a runner or a receiver, or is it going to be kind of more of the same? I, this is the game where Joe Mixon will have to establish himself. Uh, the Steelers are not very good against opposing running backs. They've allowed Jordan Howard uh, to rush for 138 yards, Tariq Cohen for 78, uh, Alex Collins for 82 on just nine carries, uh, Leonard Fournette for 181. They were staunch against uh, Kareem Hunt, who had just 21 yards, but he did have 89 yards in the pass game. So, I'm liking Joe Mixon as an RB2, but admittedly he does have downside because of the play of that offensive line. Uh, But the upside is there with how they played against these other running backs so far this season. And and I do think he has a a pretty good floor of about six points with the amount of work he's sure to get rushing and receiving. Um, And also now with a a bye-week off, your new offensive coordinator, you're going to design some things and you're going to maybe run some more zone read with Andy Dalton at quarterback. And you're going to, you just got to 
he'll design up some plays for this guy, get him comfortable, uh, run him out of the shotgun a little bit more where he's effective, and, and then you should be able to start seeing some production. Yep. Um, all right, shall we flip it over to the Steelers? Yep. So, so with the Steelers, I like Le'Veon Bell. I like Antonio Brown. Um you know, Ben Roethlisberger is sort of the major question mark. But if Ben Roethlisberger is able to have one of his better games, then you're looking at, you know, maybe a guy like Martavis Bryant finally breaking out. Or the guy who they've been running a little bit more out of the slot, Juju, Smith's, Juju Smith-Schuster. Uh, but overall, I'm not completely sold on Ben Roethlisberger right now. How about you? No, I mean – Besides him being locked into Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell, I really have not seen a whole lot of consistency of him throwing to other receivers. So I, I don't know, you know, and he's not throwing the, the, the big multiple, multiple touchdown games. He's not hitting on the deep passes. Um, no, I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent comfortable with Ben Roethlisberger at all. You know, and it's one of those things too. I, I was, you know, obviously bought in, uh, heavy shares, half my leagues and Martavis Bryant. And it's so frustrating. I mean, I, currently right now, I, I, I have him sitting on the bench in both of my leagues for this week. Uh, the first time that I'm putting him on the bench and, you know, I'm, I'm worried. I, I'm worried that I should probably bench him in one and start him on just because he'll go off. Right. <laughs> if you're sitting him, I'm playing him. Um, <laughs> One thing to be concerned of is Antonio Brown's overall ceiling. Uh, in, in the games against the Bengals uh, over the last couple of years, they've been one of the best defenses at holding them down, and they will use guys like Pac-Man Jones in uh, and, and their safeties to roll coverage uh, over to him. In, in the last game, in week two last year, he saw 11 targets, caught just four passes for 39 yards. In week 15 last year, caught just three of five targets for 58 yards. In the year before that, uh, six for 47 and one touchdown. Uh, another one, seven for 87, zero touchdowns. And then that wild card game before he got injured, 19 yards on seven catches. But that up- upside of these 10 12 catches for 180 yards and a couple touchdowns of Antonio Brown really hasn't come against the Bengals. So maybe there is room for Martavis Bryant to sort of scoop up some, uh, uh, scoop up some yards, maybe a touchdown with the team playing so much attention to Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. Well, I sure hope you're right. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. As far as uh, Jesse James, um, I, I'm fading. Uh, you know, even Juju Smith-Schuster for me is a fade at, at this point, just because they're just not getting enough targets out of those uh, out of those other guys. And I think it would be better for Smith-Schuster if they would trade Martavis Bryant and then just clear up that spot for him, and then maybe he could actually be uh, an effective receiver. The thing is, I, I'm just concerned that they only want to play him in the slot right now, and that they'd end up just playing like Justin Hunter on the outside and. Uh, Juju's overall role wouldn't change, but I hear you. All right. Well, let's, um, unless you, you got anything else to say on that game? 
No, I think Ben's in that back-end QB1 sort of streaming quarterback range. Uh, Cincinnati so far is the only team, uh, albeit having played one last game, but they have allowed uh, triple digits to opposing passers in five games. Besides Aaron Rodgers, they have not allowed uh, a single passer to throw for more than 166 yards against them. Well, Aaron Rodgers did throw for 313. Wow. All right, well, some good nuggets right there. So we got three games left on the docket. Uh, before we get to the last of the afternoon games and the two primetime games, we're going to give you one more final word from our sponsors. So the final game of the afternoon features the Seattle Seahawks making the trip across the country but not having to play early. Go to the New York Giants, who won their first game of the year, amazingly, without any weapons on their team whatsoever. So what can we expect from Seattle uh, coming in here? They're coming off of a bye, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Honestly, I have no fucking idea. Let's think about the running back situation. How do you split that up between CJ Procise, who's probably going to be healthy after the bye, Eddie Lacy, and Tom Trolls? That's a giant unknown, and that makes none of them startable for me. Like, at best, they're all desperation flexes. Well, um, I, I got a question, though. Wouldn't you say that I, I'm more concerned if I have a, a Lacy or a Rawls? That, that workload is going to get split between the two of them. At least with ProSize, I'm not worrying about Lacey or Rawls stealing his touches in the receiving game. So at least in a PPR league standpoint, I, I at least have the most confidence out of all of them in starting ProSize. Yeah, yeah. I don't have confidence in any of them, so whatever you say. <laughs> I'm just saying, if I had to, if you had to choose, uh, you know, uh, a marry, fuck, kill, I'll, I'll, I'll marry uh, CJ Procise. I, I mean, I, I did this because I did rankings, and TJ Procise is ranked the highest. So I guess I married uh, CJ Procise, fucked Thomas Rawls, and killed Eddie Lacy. Yep. Um, but flipping over to the wide receivers. It's not a great matchup for Doug Baldwin, even though he should uh, avoid a lot of Janoris Jenkins. Uh, maybe he can get back healthy because uh, that's something that was l- really bothering him, uh, that you know, groin leg injury he had, hamstring injury uh, during the Green Bay game. But now with that bye week, I think he'll be back healthy. He should avoid Janoris Jenkins, but they also should bring back Dominic Rogers Camardi from that sort of one-week self-imposed team suspension, which was weird, but whatever. Um, And that means Paul Richardson's the guy more likely to see a lot of Janoris Jenkins, maybe some Tyler Lockett. So I I think he's strong fade those two guys. Uh, Doug Baldwin and Jimmy Graham's a real strong play against the Giants. Because uh, every tight end and their mother has whooped up on the Giants so far this season. They're allowing the most fantasy points per game to opposing tight ends. They're, they've allowed seven touchdowns in six games already. And um, one, two, three, five, five different players have already went for double-digit fantasy points against them at the tight end position. 
Uh, and hell, Jeff Jeff Howerman had a, a touchdown against him. So fire <laughs> up Jimmy Graham this week. That's all I got. Yeah, so that, that he, you know, it'll be interesting to see. I'm not sure what his uh, dollar value is right now on uh, FanDuel and uh, DraftKings, but uh, uh, he could be a, a very nice uh, FanDuel uh, or uh, daily fantasy play for you. So yep. let's flip to the other side because now the other side, this is one of those ones where, you know, I don't think you really want to start much of anything going on with New York at this point in time other than Evan Ingram. Um, Evan Ingram locked into lineups, uh, you know, currently third or fourth in pretty much every tight end stat across the board. So fire up Evan Ingram, even though I'm sure Seattle is going to play a ton of attention to him. Uh, with, with Roger Lewis and Travers King uh, at wide receiver, I think you're strongly off of uh, Manning. Um, you know, this week and even going forward, uh, yeah, strong, strong off all the Giants except for Ingram. You're right. What about yeah, the run and, game? And even when you're looking at the running back situation, this is where. Anyone that thought that it was going to be, oh, we got a great chance for Wayne Gallman uh, to get everything going. Well, then what happens is you get Orleans Darkwa uh, goes off. And, and Darkwa had, what, probably his best game as a, as a professional, um, running for 117 yards and adding uh, 13 yards on a, on a catch. You know, 21 carries to nine for Gallman. Gallman's going to be that more of that spell type of a guy, but – don't expect that Orleans Dark was going to be giving you hundred yard games on a weekly basis. This was, uh, and against the Broncos, it was just such a weird anomaly the way that that whole game went. Um, but I think that was basically like your, your, your thrill before the, uh, the, the fall. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, Dark was, you know, sort of another desperation flex, uh, Wayne Gallman a little bit below that. And the thing you like about Wayne Gallman is his involvement in the passing game. And if you were a Shane Vereen owner, you know, hoping that all these wide receivers being out would suddenly bump up uh, to giant target numbers, Wayne Gallman's getting a couple of those from him. Uh, and that and that's overall concerning. Uh, what do you think of Vereen? Anything? You know, I, I mean, unfortunately, at this point in time, it – Vereen is more specialized than ever when it's Orleans Darkwa, right? So, um, it, it, and the fact that Gallman's getting the touches now, it's just, it's it's not there for him. I mean, Vereen didn't have a single target uh, for the first time this season against Denver. Rematch, uh, primetime Sunday night. Uh, you'll get a Chris Collinsworth call. Uh, of the Falcons versus the New England Patriots. The Falcons making a lot of talk this week. Julio, Julio, Julio. We need to get Julio more involved. Julio more involved in the red zone. Julio, Julio, Julio. Uh, But they did all that this season. Now you got to show me. You got to show me. Well, and this should be a a week to do it, right? Because the Patriots' um, defense has been – a terrible. <laughs> There's only one way to say it. They have allowed oh, the, most, 
the most points to quarterbacks at 24.2, the third most amount of points to running backs at 22, the third most most amount of points to wide receivers at 26.3, and the third most amount of points to tight ends at 11. That's consistently bad across the board. So to me, that has me saying, and especially in a revenge factor type of a game, I'm firing up Matt Ryan. I'm firing up Julio Jones. I'm firing up both Tevin Coleman and Devonta Freeman. I'm even firing them up uh, Austin Hooper, but uh, I'll stick away from uh, a Taylor Gabriel this week. Yeah. Um, I mean, Sanu was a guy who could even be back. Uh, Patriots were, you know, beat up a corner with Eric Rowe out uh, and Stefan Gilmore. I don't even know if that was an injury or just benching for poor performance. I hadn't really heard any news on that. And I still haven't. Um, but, yeah, I mean, Tevin Coleman in play, you know, we saw him score the Super Bowl. Devonta Freeman sort of ran wherever he wanted to in the Super Bowl. I don't think that's something that's in Coleman in this game. I think Matt Ryan could have a little bit of a right game, and this team's going to be out here. You know, they're going to be swinging for the fences. And with the play of the Patriots on the back end and their defense as a whole – I, I like all these guys, and the only guy I'm worried about is maybe Austin Hooper, but he, he finally got a little bit more involved last week. Um, well, the, I, don't, I, I think the plays are the plays, and they're pretty obvious. Anything to add? Yeah, well, the one thing is with Hooper is is that if Sanu does not play, it's a big boost to, to Hooper's numbers. Uh, the target share for him goes up significantly without Sanu. With Sanu there, instead of him getting like a seven to eight targets, you're, you're really looking at more like that four to five target range. Um, so right. it's a matter of can he do something with it. I got gotcha. you. Uh, flipping over to the Patriots against the Falcons. Um, Chris Hogan, major disappointment last week, but he also looked to get banged up in the ribs pretty good. Uh, but, you know, came back after just one play, played a ton of snaps. But I, I still think Brandon Cooks and Chris Hogan are strong plays uh, against the Falcons, even though they have some pretty tough corners. Um, you know, Rob Gronkowski is always, you know, he didn't get to play in the Super Bowl, so now maybe he's going to show what his ability is. The thing is, is the running backs. Is it Deion Lewis time over Mike Gillisley? And that's going to change, you know, maybe from week to week, uh, game script to game script, and, and just how it's going. Maybe, you know, he was involved and he got the first red zone carry even before that Mike Gillisley fumble. Yeah, but that fumble is a big no-no in a Bill Belichick offense. So uh, it's one of those things that right now, I, I, it was very surprising, but Deion Lewis, you already know what he can do as a receiver. He was basically just used as a running back in that game. So I, I, I kind of, it's one of those volatile situations. Again, when you're starting any of those, it's, it's kind of a crapshoot at the time as far as what it, mood is Belichick in and, and what happens from play to play can dictate who's going to get the rest of those carries as it goes. And unfortunately it's, after you've already set your lineup, which is the worst part. But for Brandon Cook's owners, I think everyone has to be 
very happy the way that he has been performing the last couple of weeks, actually three out of the last four weeks. Uh, he's been over 85 yards in three out of the last four weeks. He's only found the end zone in one game this year when he scored twice. So that's the one aspect of uh, what you're seeing from uh, from Cooks that I, you'd like to see improve. But after only seeing a, a high of seven targets through uh, the first four games, he's been targeted eight and nine times these last two games. And this this is a matchup that you would figure is going to be about as wide open of a game as we could uh, expect. And at that point in time, should produce Brandon Cooks again. Cooks, who also has familiarity, but also the Falcons have familiarity with him, um, you know, as, as far as what he's going to be able to do. And I'm, I'm actually going to look up his splits right now to see what he did in his career against uh, New Orleans, which, uh, I'm sorry, against Atlanta, which he played five games and he averaged, oh, was not very good, 34.4 yards Per game, 21 receptions, 172 yards, and only one touchdown in five games. Uh, I'd, I'd probably ignore that uh, with the new team. But I, I hear you. Uh, I think Cooks is fired up. Hogan's fired up. Gronk's fired up. If you're looking for a running back to play in standard, I'd probably give a slight edge to Deion Lewis, but I wouldn't put Mike Gillisley too far behind. Uh, but overall right now, Gillisley's just, you know, 12 carries for 48 yards for 50 yards. And when they're not giving him those bunny touchdown, it's tough for him to have a good fantasy day. Well, me, uh, I don't have much to add on top of that. I got one question for you before we move to the final game. So, uh, for those people who like to play DFS and, and there's a lot of people who play like, just like the primetime matchups. Who out of the Falcons and Patriots would be your lower cost players that could have a nice impact? Ooh, uh, no, 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 no. I mean, I guess you'd probably get you know Deion Lewis or Gillisley on the cheaper. Uh, yeah. So I'd pick between those two. Uh, I, I don't know. There's no one. I mean, Danny Amendola. Uh, he, he's provided, you know, a nice boon in PPR leagues. He doesn't really have much touchdown upside, but could he see an, another eight catch performance for 90 or so yards? I think that's in the cards. And so I prefer him in DraftKings than FanDuel. Uh, other, other plays that are sort of ancillary. The only one you're really looking at is, you know, Taylor Gabriel who disappointed last week. Yeah. All right. I just wanted to throw that out there. It's just an interesting little little tidbit. So let's go ahead and move to the final game. And, and again, the primetime matchups this week are much better than I think all the rest of the matchups. Um, you know, starting with Thursday night to Sunday, Sunday night and Monday night are, I think, three of the better games of the week. Uh, so our last game is the Washington Redskins at the Philadelphia E-A-G-L-E-S Eagles. So. Yeah. Yeah, this is a great game. I mean, Washington is currently sporting the the sixth best offense, the twelfth best defense. Uh, they've got the eighth best passing attack and the tenth best uh, rushing attack uh, on offense. They're a very well balanced team. 
Cousins since, you know, week three is the number one rated passer in the NFL is being very accurate. Uh, getting Jordan Reed back involved, albeit not as explosive, but as a safety blanket helps move. Uh, Chris Thompson's on pace for a thousand yard receiving season out of the backfield. That's only happened, what, eight or nine times in the history of the NFL. And the last was Marshall Falk in 1999. Um, you know, Chris Thompson's a strong play against the Eagles. Uh, you know, like, you know, a fairly strong play here. I'd prefer Zach Ertz to Jordan Reed. Um, but, you know, at, at wide receivers, the major question for me, is there anybody you can trust at wide receiver for the – uh, Washington Redskins, or do you trust Vernon Davis more? God, you know, that's, that's the scary thing. Um, with all of them, here's, here, here's the thing. They had, okay, you had, including running backs, right? So one, two, three, eight. They had, what, nine or ten players targeted in last game? No yep. one had more than five targets, and you had three, four – Five players finished with five targets in that game. So from that point, when I'm looking at whether it's Jordan Reed, whether it's Jamison Crowder, whether it's Terrell Pryor, whether it's um, – I, you don't know. Chris Thompson is the most dynamic out of all of them. He's a running back. When I look at these mm-hmm. – I, I, I've, I've been sitting here waiting for Terrell Pryor to actually ever do anything – and it's just not happening. This would be the, the the matchup that you would say, you know, he should be able to. The Eagles are allowing 24.5 points per game uh, to, to uh, wide receivers, which ranks them uh, uh, 27th. So, I, you know, but again, so maybe this is where the crapshoot comes in for the DFS plays. Pick which wide receiver you want to get behind. But I'm, I'm, I'm definitely yeah. fading on Crowder. Yeah, I'm fading on Crowder, but talking about the Eagles versus wide receivers like you did, we talked about how they're uh, fifth or sixth worst against opposing wide receivers. But if you look at it, they're also, you know, allowing the most catches to the wide receiver position so far uh, with 91. They're allowing the most yard or the second most yards just behind the Patriots to the wide receiver position. So, and their outside corners have really been getting beat up in Jalen Mills. So I think Pryor is a guy you could sort of trust this week. If he lets you down here, you really need to think about cutting bait, you know, see see if you can get anything for him or just go with that outright benching for a while. But I would trust him against the Eagles. Um, you know, they're also saying they're going to get Josh Dotson more involved. I really like what I've seen from him. Uh, you know, as he's gotten more involved, but prior did see 11 targets in the week one tilt with the Eagles. So I like that Ryan Grant was involved, but he seems to have been supplanted by Josh Dotson. And I, I, I take Josh Dotson, Terrell prior. Uh, I like their sort of skill set and their ability, uh, to make plays against these outside Eagles corners. And I'm loving Kirk Cousins as a play this week. I think he's, you know, another top five QB option. Um, so I'm I'm on all the plays. I'm on Chris Thompson. 
we'll have to see if we get any news prior to Sunday about Rob Kelly or Samaje P. Ryan. But P. Ryan had looked the best he had all season coming off the bye week and had a reception touchdown and did make some plays in the receiving game just enough that proves he's a little bit more versatile, like we thought, than Rob Kelly. Yeah, but at the same time, he still has not proven it in the run game. Uh, yep. Nine rushes for 23 yards with a long run of eight yards. That's where he needs yep. to keep going. Yep, agree. Like, that's the thing is, if Rob Kelly comes back, he's looked like the much more effective runner. Um, he doesn't have the fumbling issues. And then it looks like it'd probably be just Rob Kelly and Chris Thompson in the backfield with maybe three to four carries for a guy like P. Ryan. Uh, you got anything else on the Redskins? No, let's go uh, ahead to my, to the Philadelphia Eagles. And I get to say I was right. I told you they would beat the Carolina Panthers last week in Wentz We Trust. And Wentz, he got it done. And he just continues to get it done. Did your buddy beat you because I told him to play Carson Wentz? Uh, and Jordan Howard? No, no. He wasn't playing against me, I don't think. Oh. Okay. I was hoping he was because that would have been even better. Um, the Eagles offense is just humming, and they're adding wrinkles seemingly every week. Uh, you know, the vertical shots are there. Carson Wentz, yeah, he's been pretty good. I mean, he hasn't been great. He's taking too many risks sometimes, but he's playing that Brett Farvish kind of gunslinger mentality where he does put the ball in trouble a lot, and he has dropped interceptions. But most of the time, his receivers are getting it done. Nelson Aguilar is putting together pretty much the best season of his career already, and that's just through half a season, not even a third of the season. Um, So Aguilar is locked in as like a wide receiver three, wide receiver four for me. Alshon Jeffrey uh, luckily should probably be avoiding Josh Norman because of that rib injury to Norman, and that gives him a pretty good matchup. Um, so I like these receivers. Torrey Smith was getting those one or two deep shots, and, and we finally sort of saw him convert. Um, Zach Ertz is locked in. Every week he's been a top 12 option at tight end. The touchdowns are now starting to go his way, and that's giving him sort of a massive upside. Uh, I think right now, would you take Kelsey over Ertz? Oh, shit. Would you take I, I Kelsey over I, I, Ertz? Not for this or just week. Not for this week. I would take I would take Ertz Rest over. I take Ertz this week, and here's why. Look, Phil, uh, Washington has not been good against tight ends. In their first matchup in Week One, he had eight catches for 93 yards. Uh, was held out of the end zone, but as you said, uh, he's starting to find the end zone more. So last week it would be if you just looked at receptions and yards, you'd go, "Man, it was a horrible game. Only two catches for 18 yards." Yeah, but they both went for touchdowns. So he's got three touchdowns in the last two weeks. He's got four touchdowns in the last four weeks. Uh, I think everything is trending extremely well uh, for when uh, for uh, yeah for Ertz, and I think that uh, this is another game. I bet you this would be the game. Uh, here's my bold prediction: Ertz gets a hundred yards and a touchdown this week. I mean, he absolutely has always eaten the Washington Redskins alive. So I'm not going to say that's even bold. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, then it's going to happen. I'm just predicting. All right. Um, 
I got nothing else on Ertz. I got nothing else. You got anything on the receivers, the running backs? Well, let's let's talk about the running backs. So, um, you know, it, it, is Wendell Smallwood back? Um, I, I, back, but I could also see them holding him off because aren't they going on bye week in week eight? Um, the Eagles. Yeah, no, their bye week's not till week ten. No, okay, no, I, I could. I can see him back then. He was trending that way, but you know, do they need him against Washington? Because the way Legarrette Blunt's running, uh, Kenyon Barner shown some signs in the receiving game. You know, adding a layer of explosiveness to both sort of the return game and in the receiving game, and that change of pace back. Um, I don't know, mate. I, I like Wendell Smallwood, but I, I still think it's a Legarrette Blunt style of game. Uh, because well, they've just been so good on offense. And these are the games that you wanted them for, right? The divisional matchup games, uh, you know, and this is where they're, they're – Philadelphia is finally getting to the point where they are able, you know, to get a lead and also then use him as a hammer. So uh, depending on how you see this game going, and, I, you know, I'll, I'll take Philadelphia in this game being at home, the way that their defense has been playing, um, you know, to be able to potentially get themselves out to a nice early lead – where Blunt actually has some effectiveness in this game, and I think it could be a pretty good play. Yep, I, I like I like I like Blunt. I, I mean, he's averaging five five and a half yards per carry. Uh, they're using him in the red zone. Everything you want. Uh, he, he's getting you know a, a shot a game in the receiving game, although it might not be great. It, it's something. Uh, I like Blunt a lot. I, I do think Smallwood uh, as the play and maybe a PPR league, should he be healthy? But I don't think you can wait around for Monday night for a guy like Wendell Smallwood. Nope. All right. Well, we didn't have D-Rex, but we still made it through the week. Uh, we were both at home. And we cut 45 minutes out of the show. Well, we also weren't drinking. Didn't have any Valverde's there during there, so – uh no sound bites no yeah. fun don't worry All fantasy don't All football worry. we'll be back with everything well we'll be back with most of it next week i'll actually be out of town uh in new jersey so it'll be the stag party and d-rex show um but uh we'll be happy to fire it up for you always there to give you the goo uh we didn't do it really any pyro promos today either so you know be sure to check us out what you tried Subscribe, like, follow us on Twitter, uh, all the usual bananas bullshit. All right. Well, thank you, Stag Party. It was always fun. Always, buddy. All right. Thanks, thanks everybody, for listening. We, uh, we'll talk to you next week.